California Uber Alleys. Hi, I'm Philip Lumel. Welcome to No Uncertain Terms, the official podcast of the Tournaments Movement for the week of July 12th, 2021. Your sanctuary from partisan politics. The Golden State provides us with both sad and humorous news this week as a group of elder Democrats in Northern California publicly confront Senator Dianne Feinstein and Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer over their advanced ages and refusal to retire gracefully. To the South, an unpopular scheme by term-limited Orange County supervisors to cling to power has been thwarted by the California legislature, accidentally. U.S. Tournament's Executive Director Nick Tambalides joins us with the details. Hey, Nick. Let's start with, I think, what is the more amusing of our two stories this week. <laughs> In Orange County, Southern California, there's uh, the county supervisors. There's five of them on the board. And they have been conspiring. It's been in the news, although we haven't really followed very closely on this podcast until now. But it's been in the news in, in Southern California that they've been conspiring to try to get around their eight-year term limit. And currently, it's a two-term limit. A couple of them are coming to the end of their term, and they're thinking, you know, this is a cushy job. We love it. How are we going to stay in office? And so they came up with this plan. And they said, well, we'll let the voters decide. And, <laughs> and on a three-to-two vote, uh, they decided to put on the ballot a question that would uh, limit their terms to three terms in office and have that be a lifetime limit. So they're going to get tough and strengthen the tournaments law in Orange County. Um, we've seen this scam before. But it came to a humorous conclusion this week. It did. Um, and yeah, we see these these scams all over the country. Um, the reason we talk about it, despite it being California, where our listeners may or may not live, um, is that it happens everywhere. You know, it happened in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida, things like this that happened in Arlington, Texas, happened in Las Vegas, happens everywhere. It could happen to you if you're not vigilant. Same scam every time. They put a ballot title out there that sounds like they're imposing some kind of powerful term limit and the voters react positively and say, heck yes, I want to see a lifetime limit on those guys to get them to vote yes. When really it's weakening the tournament from an eight year to a 12 year. And what happened was, so California is voting in September on whether to recall the governor, Gavin Newsom. Um, right. And these local schmucks, the Orange County Supervisors Commissioners, they wanted their anti-term limit measure on that same ballot. They wanted you to vote for the recall or against the recall and then vote for a, a, another question as to whether they should have new 20-year term limits. They're calling it yeah. 12, but each member would actually get 20 years under this. Right, because the clock starts starts over again. So you're in there for eight and then 12 more. Under this plan. And so they <laughs> they framed it as creating term limits. And, and it says that. It says lifetime ban for politicians right on the ballot language. But their ulterior motive was to get 20 years in office. Amazing. But, but here's the problem. There's another group of politicians in California, another group of slime balls who had their own ulterior motive, <laughs> and that's the California state legislature. All right. Because one day after the Orange County supervisors put this on the ballot, the California state legislature passed a law stating you can't put questions on the recall ballot. And they didn't do that because they're a bunch of pro term limits heroes and saviors. You know, we know from experience they're not. They did it because they wanted to protect Gavin Newsom 
and they knew that higher turnout would arise if term limits were on the ballot. Uh, so they had an ulterior motive. The local politicians had an ulterior motive. And these two countervailing forces of sleaze wound up canceling each other out. And as a result, the people win. The people win. This is why I found this uh, story sort of amusing, because the state legislature was not weighing in on fixing this uh, scam going on down in Orange County. And it sort of reminds, made me think of the fact that, you know, if you get enough crooks in one room, eventually the crooks are going to be stealing from each other. In fact, it also reminds me of a uh, novel I once read called A Man Who Is Thursday by the uh, famous Catholic apologist uh, J.K. Chesterton, in which the different police agencies were investigating an anarchist organization. And the anarchist organizations became so infiltrated with police that at the major shindig throughout Europe of all the anarchist organizations, no one was an anarchist at the table. Every single person was a, a police officer. And actually, this is totally tangential and should be deleted. But I found it amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, so this, this was a miracle. The California legislature passed the Senate Bill 152, which made this crooked term limit, anti-term limit election illegal. Uh, the governor had to sign it because he wanted to save his own bacon. And so the scam is off the ballot for now. Uh-huh. But um, I, I want to just read you some background about Orange County supervisors, these uh, self-serving weasels. This is from an article by Norberto Santana. He's an investigative okay. reporter with the voice of Orange County. And this kind of explains some of the background here. They get $150,000 a year, these supervisors. They get free health care, $750 per month car allowance, pension benefits, and 401k benefits. They get a million-dollar staff. They get to do six-figure election-style mailings to their constituents on taxpayer dime, no less. Incredible. And, and then he had some analysis of their performance because, you know, if you're getting what you pay for, no one's going to have a problem with this. You know, if these are highly paid elected officials who are very effective, but that's not the <laughs> yeah. case at all. He said they're consistently incurious. They never ask any department heads about their budgets they never ask about probation department, animal services, juvenile hall. They never talk about parks funding, development. They manage tens of billions of dollars, and yet they have bungled all of their responses to wildfires, jailbreaks, homelessness, and the pandemic. So what have Orange County supervisors done on top of that record of horrible, incompetent leadership? They've cut their meeting times in half. They only meet a few times a month like a, a city council while they get full compensation. They built a new $300 million building for themselves. And apparently they didn't account for the pandemic because the building's got terrible Wi-Fi. And they have gutted the county auditor's office when he started looking into abuses of their pensions. And now they want 20 years in power to keep wow. that gravy train on the rails. Hey, no wonder they want 20 years in power. That sounds like a really good setup. Great compensation and benefits with uh, very little work and not being held to any standard of merit. Well, the voters are safe. Oh, let's, 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 let's be clear about this now. There was a three to two vote to put this on the ballot. And I think it really, really should point out that the three was Lisa Bartlett, Doug Chaffee, and Andrew Doe. These are the three of the five that voted to put this on the ballot. Those are the bad guys, the bad mm -hmm. guys who don't respect the voters, don't respect the taxpayers. 
the good guys, I have their names written down here, but my handwriting is so illegible that I can't read them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Do your best. Okay. Donald Wagner, a Republican, okay. and Katrina Foley, a Democrat, joined uh, in bipartisan votes against the scam. So hats off to All them. Right. Thank you very much. This is a public service announcement. There's nothing like a little corruption to trigger calls for term limits. Here's a recent sighting from WGRZ-TV Channel 2 in New York. Well, the recent turmoil caused by the ongoing scandal investigations for Governor Cuomo and the question of whether he will pursue re-election for a fourth term has also inspired more talk about term limits. It's a topic that reappears almost every year in Albany, but never gets much traction. Channel 2's Ron Plants explored that for us tonight. Hello, Ron. Hi, Mary Alice. Now, according to Ballotpedia, New York State is one of 12 states, including Illinois and Texas, which do not have term limits for governors. Most other states, like Pennsylvania, go with, say, two consecutive terms for eight years total or some variation. As you pointed out, it's been looked at here in the Empire State, but never seems to go anywhere. Republican conservative state Senator Joseph Griffo from Rome, New York, introduced a term limit measure again last session, as he had done before, and again it got bottled up in committee. His bill called for an eight-year total term limit for governor, lieutenant governor, attorney general, and controller, and a 12-year total limit for state lawmakers. One of his co-sponsors is from Western New York, as his constituents have called for it. People have expressed uh, interest in term limits throughout my tenure as I've talked with people. Uh, I think at other times in, in the past several years, people have been more vocal about it. Also, Gallivan's support is really somewhat mixed with this rationalization. When I look at term limits, I, I see an argument both for term limits and at the same time Im impose term limits, uh, term limits by statute. And at the same time, a term limit that already really exists at the hands of voters every two years in the case of a legislator. Some term limit advocates suggest it can bring up a fresh voice and differing perspectives from longtime politicians, and turnover can eliminate too much power or corruption that could come with longevity and seniority. So how does it play with a political scientist? I realize that the public sees that as a career politician, but there's a reason that uh, that might not necessarily be a negative, which is to say that they're good at what they do. You know, they know the players involved. They know how to get stuff done. If you're on your way out, uh, turns out that there's less of an incentive to uh, do a good job. There's less of an incentive to, you know, not pay back friends or political cronies and those kinds of things. Of course, that can happen in a system that, that isn't term limited. Also, think about this. Remember that term limits at the national level for presidents did not happen until the late 1940s. Remember, Franklin Roosevelt actually died in his fourth term, even though George Washington did establish a two-term tradition, but not an actual limit for the presidency until then. Ron Plants, Channel 2 News. Nick, this one's not uh, so humorous. Um, it's an ongoing story that we've been talking about. It's a little sensitive. And that is with the issue of the extreme age of so many of our officials in Congress and in other roles um, in government, in which you are, you really cannot lose your job. And so it's really up to the person that has the position to decide when they retire, and they're not doing it. 
Um, it's a particular problem on the Democratic side because on the Republican side, they at least have term limits on committee chairs in Congress, in the House. And so after you sort of top out in power and, and on the Republican side, they tend to retire earlier um, because they sort of go backwards. But that's not true on the Democratic side, and it's hurting them. And the poster child for this is the sad case of Senator Dianne Feinstein of California, who has shown marked decline in her mental competence while on the job, and more and more Democrats, not Republicans attacking her, but Democrats who care about her are trying to reach out and say, you know, Diane, it's time. Yeah, and we've chronicled uh, the saga of Diane Feinstein. We've talked about how she's repeating questions uh, over and over again in committee hearings, how the staff are, are basically doing everything for her, um, how she had to step down from her key position on judiciary as the ranking Democrat there. Mm-hmm. And um, the LA Times had, I guess you could call it a focus group on this. And this focus group was unanimous in wanting 88-year-old Senator Feinstein to step down. Now, lest you think, um, you know, these are a bunch of young Turks here who are saying this, the youngest member of this focus group was 75, the oldest was 89, and I have it on good authority that not a single person in this group uh, was wearing a MAGA hat. In fact, none of them were Republicans. <laughs> no, they weren't The opposite is true. These are diehard Democratic activists. They're members of the Rossmore Democratic Club, um, yeah. which is the largest Democratic local club in the nation. It's got 1,000 members, and they say it's time for Feinstein to hit the road. That's huge. Right. It is huge. And like I said, it's not because they they are uh, you know trying to get a Republican elected. They they appreciated her for many years, and they want to make sure that it's that seat, which is going to be a Democratic seat. That's not the issue. Is going to have someone young and able to fulfill that role more effectively in the way that they like. And so they're looking at it as this is for the benefit of their party. Um, this is for the benefit of the of uh, their state and for the and for the country. And from the point of the person in the position, Diane um, and her team and her backers, you know, it's all about, well, we don't want to lose power. Right. And, you know, California, it's the largest, most populous state in the country. 40 million people live in California. Um, you're telling me in a state of 40 million people, uh, there's only one 88-year-old woman who's qualified to hold office for 40 years. Um, who's buying that at this point? Certainly not, you know, these Democratic activists. Interestingly, they were polled and none of them supported a mandatory retirement age, but all of them also supported term limits for Congress. Right. And I know that this column also talked about Stephen Breyer, the Supreme Court justice, who, of course, doesn't face elections. It's actually a lifetime position. And some of the group, not all of them, but some of the group felt that he also should be thinking about retiring so that their president, their Democratic president could, you know, announce a replacement because there was some dissatisfaction on the Democratic side when uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, rather than retiring uh, while Obama was president, held on and then passed away while and allowed Trump to choose her successor. And although that was not a position that everyone in this in this group held. But one reason I'm bringing this up is that one thing that was brought up is that some of the dissenters on that idea about having Stephen Breyer retire, they said, you know, you really don't want to make this about a single person. It's better to have term limits on the Supreme Court so that it's about the institution and it's about all members. 
And you're not singling about one person deciding whether one person is old enough or too old or competent enough, which is, you know, a sort of humiliating position to put anyone in. It's just to have the institution automatically rotate so you never end up in this position where you're tugging on someone's sleeve telling them, look, you can't do it anymore. It's time to go. Especially someone that has earned so much respect of their peers and support over the years. It's painful for everyone. Term limits never work when you personalize it, when you make it just about one person. has to be about the institution. Right. That's why I don't believe in self-limits. I don't don't believe in egging on a particular member of Congress to retire, because what good is that going to do? You know, only the good guys are going to follow through with that, and you're going to (laughs) leave Congress with a bunch of crooks who just stay and fester there. So for term limits to work, it really does have to affect all the members. And I'm not at all surprised that this group of this group nobody supported the mandatory retirement age but they all supported term limits because here's the problem with the retirement age there are some politicians who are quite elderly and quite good right. there are also young politicians who suck term limits <laughs> yeah, you bet. focus term limits shifts the focus to how entrenched you are rather than mm-hmm. how old you are because entrenchment is a much greater danger than age, although entrenchment and age together do produce uh, some pretty absurd results. Right. In fact, if you're talking about citizen legislatures, um, when you look around the country at the states that have tournaments, of course, those on average term limited legislatures are a lot younger. However, in citizen legislatures, there is a very important role for people that have had successful careers in business um, or in professions or in whatever. And as a retirement, as sort of a semi-retirement, because, you know, being in a legislature is really not the most uh, taxing profession out there, is that it's a very suitable position for a lot of people that retire from other, other roles in society. And they might be older. So it's not about age. Why does it have to be an old person who ran a business? Couldn't it be like an old person who was mayor of Vermont for like uh, 30 years? <laughs> Hello, this is Scott Tillman, the National Field Director with U.S. Term Limits. There are two ways to term limit Congress. First, Congress could refer a term limits amendment out to the states. We're pursuing that route, and the Congressional Term Limits Resolution is Resolution HJR 12 in the House and SJR 3 in the Senate. And we currently have 83 co-sponsors between these two resolutions. The second way to amend the Constitution requires states to pass resolutions asking for a term limits amendment convention. We're pursuing this route also. We ask candidates for the state legislature to sign a pledge that will help us term limit Congress. The pledge reads, I pledge that as a member of the state legislature, I will co-sponsor, vote for, and defend the resolution applying for an Article 5 convention for the sole purpose of enacting term limits on Congress. About 75 special elections for state legislature normally take place in a year. This year, we only have 43 so far scheduled. That's in 16 different states. We've received pledges from over 75 candidates in the races for the special election races this year. There's going to be over 10,000 candidates who need to be approached to sign the Terminalist Pledge in the next 15 months. That's a lot of candidates, and we need your help finding and contact those candidates. We need volunteers to help us do research and volunteers to help us make phone calls. If you're able to help with either of those things, please email me, Scott Tillman, at S-T-I-L-L-M-A-N at termlimits.com. That's S-Tillman at termlimits.com. 
George uh, McGovern, you know, um, did the opposite of most politicians in that he was an elected official very early on in his life. And then when he retired from the Senate, he became a business owner. And I think his quote was, man, I wish I had known all this stuff about running a business. I wish I had known how hard it was. I wish I had known about budgeting before I got elected. So you're right. That real life experience it can be, I think in most cases, is way more valuable than political experience. But um, there's just one quote in here that was really good. Um, this is from, I guess, the person who ran the the focus group. They said, not one person in the crowded living room where they had this this group felt used up or as if they'd outlived their purpose in life. Each said they'd found ways to stay active and productive and meaningful in retirement by mentoring or consulting in their old profession or doing community service. They wished Feinstein would do the same. That is healthy and beautiful and how to live a proper life. It's the circle of life. Mm -hmm. If that's not trademarked by Disney. (laughs) Well, I'm going to finish off then with a, um, maybe a a sadder note and that we lost a tournament hero uh, recently on uh, June 29th, longtime tournaments activist, Alan Johnson Jr. uh, Passed away. He's been, he was battling lung cancer for some time and it finally took him away. Um, he was running a group called TurnLimitPledge.org, and uh, he wanted to start a grassroots movement to put pressure on politicians to limit themselves in office. And um, that's not our our aim, uh, but it's a friendly one, and it also helps put pressure on politicians to take this issue seriously and puts more pressure on them to, to take action on the issue of term limits. And his efforts are greatly appreciated. He was also helpful and supportive of, of, of our chief efforts too on the um, tournaments convention and trying to get a bill passed through Congress. So he lived a long and um, interesting life. He studied botany. He was a farmer for a while. He wrote books for children and adults. Um, He served in the U.S. military in Germany in an armed infantry platoon. And then um, sort of as a semi-retirement project at the end of his life, he worked very hard on the issue of trying to get tournaments for the U.S. Congress. So thank you very much. Alan Johnson Jr. for your efforts, and uh, you you will be missed. Yeah, I, Alan Johnson uh, contributed a lot to the movement in the time that he was involved in it. We have a Term Limits Hall of Fame on our website uh, where we honor some of the patriots who contributed through um, volunteer service to this movement and, and made it as successful as it's been and, and as big as it is today. And so I actually plan to uh, nominate Alan Johnson for posthumous induction to the Term Limits Hall of Fame. Motion seconded. Thanks for joining us for another episode of No Uncertain Terms. The Term Limits Convention bills are moving through the state legislatures. This could be a breakthrough year for the Term Limits movement. To check on the status of the Term Limits Convention resolution in your state, go to termlimits.com slash take action. There, You will see if it has been introduced and where it stands in the committee process on its way to the floor vote. If there's action to take, you'll see a take action button by your state. Click it. This will give you the opportunity to send a message to the most relevant legislators, urging them to support the legislation. They have to know you're watching. That's turnlimits.com slash take action. If your state has already passed the Turn Limits Convention resolution or the bill's not been introduced in your state, you can still help please consider making a contribution to U.S. term limits. 
It is our aim to hit the reset button on the U.S. Congress, and you can help. Go to termlimits.com slash donate. termlimits.com slash donate. Thanks. We'll be back next week. The revolution isn't being televised. Fortunately, you have the No Uncertain Terms podcast. U.S.T.L. Yeah.